Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, my name is Chuck Wilson. I'm the pastor at New Hope Community Church, and thanks for joining us today. It's Communion Sunday, so if you want to stay for the extended version when the sermon's over, if you'll wait a few seconds and I'll do a little extended version for communion. If you want to, uh, you might want to go hit pause and grab some bread and grape juice or wine, whatever you use, for the option at the end, if you want to do that. No pressure to do that. That's something that will be at the end. So, uh, let's see here. Shout out today. Try to remember to shout to folks that aren't local. I don't do the local folks, but those who are further away, we haven't seen in a while, they've moved or are just hearing from. I got lots of New Yorkers today. My brother Todd and his wife Rachel in Appleton. And Eric and Sally Tom in North Tondawanda. And Teresa Moore in Rochester. And Craig Fresh in Lockport. Uh, let's see here. Michelle Wagner. And I don't know how you pronounce your uh, last name now. Mechanica. <laughs> Doing the best I can. Newfane. Uh, Paul and Mary Leader, they were in New Fame, but I'm not sure where they are. Maybe they're in Lockport or something now. But uh, Paul was my Sunday school teacher in 6th or 7th grade. I made him crazy. It paid off. All that patience paid off, and he was very, very patient. Thank you, uh, Mr. Leader. And then also Debbie Wolf-Weimer. Debbie Wolf-Weimer uh, from Barker, but now she's in Montana. Yes, I'm jealous, Montana. Taylor and Aaron Thomas in Central PA. Richard and Charlotte Lassen in Connecticut. And let's see here. Oh, and then here we go. Marissa Mazza, recently engaged to Drew Carroll. They're, they're locked down in Maryland right now. But Marissa, recently engaged. Congratulations, guys. But Marissa was actually helped me find fossils at one time. She was friends, is good friends with my daughter, Megan. And one time I needed help. I always ask different people. And I said, uh, Meg, can you have your friends come and help me? We need to go get a fossil rock. They didn't know what they were getting into. We brought back this like 400 pound rock. I'm not kidding. We, <clears throat> I had a system down and Marissa was in the video, but somebody erased that video. I don't know where it went. I would love to still show that. But we were out in the creek and found this rock with all kinds of promising markings on it at the bottom of the creek. And so we had this old, I had an old plastic toboggan. We slid it into the water. We somehow rolled it onto the toboggan, the rock, pulled it out, which we could do because of the water. And we could slide it up onto the bank. Then we put it onto a, a hand truck and we rolled it onto the hand truck. Then we all pulled it together. Oh, it wasn't easy getting it up out of the woods. We found a spot where we could roll it up to the road where my car was. And then they all sat in the back of the, with the, the hatch open and they, and I, put the hand truck over the ledge and they held onto the hand truck and I drove home slowly. It was not only about a mile, it was in our neighborhood, so it was okay. And we, but, oh, I, you know, here we are driving back. They could not believe they did this, but we found some great looking rocks that way. Uh, I also brought one of my horse teeth, found several fossilized horse teeth from out in the creek there. And the kids, we were talking about, they were watching, you know, the sermon and like, why are you talking about fossils? We, you should do a video. And they were laughing about it. They were always, teasing me. They don't always appreciate, you know, uh, what I'm doing. And so they said, why don't you do a video? And so I was out at the creek this week with the, th the littles. I call them the littles. You know, we have several. We have the bigs, the middles, and the littles. Three different families, really. And so the littles, I had Andrew and Danielle, D and Laurel out in the woods, and we were in the creek, and D was walking up on a log over the creek, and I said, oh, let me get your picture. I took your picture. I I got a great idea. I handed her the phone and said, videotape me looking for fossils because the, the girls, the older kids wanted me to do something with a video of that. Th take, a, take a video. So I handed her the video and I got up on the log to go start looking for fossils. And well, we're going to interject now here a, a video that she took. So here we go. Okay, there you go. It's painful to even think about what happened. The worst part was, the worst part was, <clears throat> I thought I was really injured. <laughs> I, I thought I broke a bone in my back. I couldn't breathe, my ribs. And I, and I'm sitting there dying 
possibly. And I hear this laughing. And it's the three of them. Laurel, Dee's like, guys, come here and look. And she, come here, Andrew, come here, Laurel. And they come there and, and she's playing it over and over again. And every time she plays it, they're laughing hysterically. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they just keep rewatching while I'm trying to see if I'm spitting up blood. We get back to the house and Dee calls everybody together. Just come here quick, quick, everybody come here. And I'm still in lots of pain. I'm looking for sympathy. And, and, and also I hear them all laughing hysterically. And then Dee goes, Dee goes, wait, wait, hold on. Let's see if we can watch it without laughing this time. She was so funny. Even I was almost laughing, except it hurt too much. And, and so then they would watch it. They would all laugh hysterically. She goes, no, 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 let's try it again. Try not to laugh. It just kept going on and on. It was unbelievable. So, uh, Sarah then saw the video and said, this is perfect. We're going to create an adventure video looking for fossils. So she went and, and did, did this video, another longer one, and integrated what had happened earlier in the day. You can watch that one. It's right underneath. If you have the YouTube, it's right underneath. There's a little attachment you can click on with the video. Or if you're on podcast, once again, it's attached. You can watch the longer version of what, what they put together. Uh, they, they're very creative, those, those kids. Very, very creative. Now, my death, last week I preached on the death to self. And my death to self sermon last week was almost my last one. It was almost my last one. I almost really illustrated that sermon. But we're going to see in the life of Elisha today, the life of Elisha, that Elisha and the prophets almost killed themselves too. They almost died. Let's see what saves them. And the title for today is The Cure for the Most Deadly Disease. 2 Kings 4, 38-41, The Cure for the Most Deadly Disease. Let's pray first. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your mercy and grace, bringing many of us through many dangerous situations, all of us really facing this whole pandemic that we're trying to avoid. Lord, we thank you for bringing us through many trials this week. We just pray for your mercy and grace now to really hear what your word has to say, the, the warnings and the cure. And, and if anybody here who's listening has never put their faith in Jesus, today would be that day. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read it. 2 Kings 4, 38-41. Start picking up with verse 38. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, Put on a large pot and cook some stew for these men. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and follow the wild vine. He gathered some of its gourds and filled the fold of his cloak. When he returned, he cut them into, up into a, the pot of stew, though no one knew where they were, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, O oh, man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people to eat, and there was nothing harmful in the pot. So we find, first of all, Elisha in Gilgal. Now, Gilgal, where he performs another miracle. Gilgal, does anybody seeing a pattern here? Anybody seeing a pattern? Anybody catch it as you studied the passage ahead of time? You're connecting the dots. Are you connecting the dots? He is retracing his steps. The same steps he took with Elijah out of the land over Jordan is this, are the same steps he's taking back again. That's the same steps. He's just doing it in an inverse order order the same exact places where he was tested and where he passed the test remember he kept following elijah if you weren't you didn't hear those sermons go back and listen to how he was tested he followed elijah is a picture of how we are to follow jesus christ as we pass each of these tests elisha is a picture of the apostles a picture of the apostles it's, it's a spiritual type and us by extension and now he returns in resurrection power because he followed elijah through salvation he came back through the jordan river back through sanctification death of self we talked about that last time last week you can listen to that but now he comes back in resurrection power because of salvation and sanctification after we are saved we go through sanctification. There are many tests in that, in that sanctification. Many tests as we keep on following Jesus Christ. We keep on taking steps of faith every time we face a test, test just like Elisha did. And when we do that, we grow in our sanctification. We grow in our, we experience Jesus Christ's resurrection power in a greater way when we do that. The same 
places, the same people, the same things that once tested our faith, once tested our faith, now when we face those same places and those same tests, we now experience spiritual victory and resurrection power in them. Look at Elisha. He comes to the, the Jordan River and, and he's after going through it with Elijah, he comes to it again and he crosses through again through the, the Jordan River. It's a miracle crossing. He comes to Jericho and at Jericho he heals the water. He comes to Bethel and he calls the bad news bears. You want to hear that one? He comes to Gilgal now where he performs another miracle. Another miracle. And look at our lives. What was once our defeat? Once what was our shame? God is now using our, us with his resurrection power to impact other people now. The same things that we struggle with, we can help other people who are struggling because now we have we have Jesus Christ's sanctification and resurrection power. So Elisha comes to Gilgal. He comes to Gilgal and there is a famine there's a famine because they are uh, they are under God's discipline and judgment. We're not sure. We got to look at the, the the Geiger counter here, but but it's probably they're heading heading into judgment. It's gone from discipline to judgment. Israel had fallen away from God, and when we fall away from God, He disciplines us. And if we don't listen, the judgment is is not far behind. In fact, in Ezekiel fourteen, in Ezekiel fourteen verse twenty one, listen to what God said. This is what the the sovereign Lord says. How much worse will it be when I send against Jerusalem my four dreadful judgments? Listen to this USA Today. My four dreadful judgments. The sword and famine and wild beasts and the plague. To kill its men and their animals. Got that? Sword and famine, wild beasts and plague. We know which one we, we've seen. We've seen the sword already. We saw 9-11, right? We've seen it already. We're seeing the plague now. We're, we're seeing the different disciplines and judgments in the USA today. And God is trying to get their attention. And there is even a worse famine than the one he sent against Israel, even a worse famine that's even more serious that's afflicting the USA today. Amos 8.11, it's an even more serious famine. Amos 8.11 where it says, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That's when the famine is really serious. It's no longer about food and water, but now God no longer sends his word. You can't get the word anymore. And we're seeing that very famine in the United States today. There are so many churches now and so many ministries that, that, that no longer preach the word. There's so few, I should say, so few churches that are really preaching the word and preaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ. So few. I did a, I'm doing a prophecy series. I'm doing a prophecy series on biblical history. Uh, I'm sorry, biblical prophecy, a prophecy series, biblical prophecy, making sense of this crazy world. Just wrote down a few things here. You can actually, Get on it by underneath the YouTube. There's also that little picture of the mom and dad holding the little girl's hand. You can click on that and it'll come up this, on the side. There's the different parts to the YouTube and uh, for our ministry. And you'll see the biblical prophecy one. If you're on podcast, you can go up top where it says sermons. And you can click on that and it has the regular sermons, but then the biblical prophecy sermons. And I'm doing a, and I already started, uh, I'm on, I already done six of them. Uh, book of Mark, Mark 13, Matthew 24, the book of Daniel I'm in now, which will take me a little bit longer. So i uh, got the six of them there. But we, we saw in this series of, of prophecy the signs of contractions that, that Jesus is, is getting ready to come back again, but also sign, bad signs that we're seeing. And, and the contractions, one of the main contractions is apostasy. Apostasy. It's when, when there's a falling away. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the United States is the apostasy. And as the apostasy happens, God says, you don't want my word? You don't want my word? You're not going to follow my word? You're not going to have it anymore. And that's what's happening. It's not the, the, the word and the gospel is not being preached in the same way anymore. So back to Elisha. They're under this judgment. They're, uh, the, the Gilgal is under the judgment. Israel's under this famine. And so, even though, though, even though Elisha is living in a time of apostasy, a time of famine, a time of judgment, even though he's in that time, he is still faithful. 
He is still faithful. He is still training a school of prophets, as we see here. He has a whole school of prophets. who He's training them to, the, the school of prophets will faithfully preach the word of God in an apostate land. They're going to still, he's still teaching them and exhorting them and encouraging them to preach the true word of God even though the people are apostate, even though the country is apostate. It's what exactly what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4, 2-5. In 2 Timothy 4, 2-5, he says this. Paul says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. He says it's gonna, this is what's gonna happen. There's gonna be falling away, but no matter what, do your job. It's our job to preach the word. It's our job as Christians to share the word of God no matter what we're facing. In a time of apostasy, in times of apostasy, USA Today, we are called to be faithful failures. Even if we're failing in the world's eyes, we are being faithful in God's eyes. Even though we're failing, we're not reaching all the people we want to reach and grow and all that. It it, it doesn't matter. We're being faithful. Even if we're failing in the world's eyes, we're faithful failures. We're doing what God has called us to do. And that's exactly what Elisha is doing. He's got a small group here. In most of the country, there's only 7,000. Remember, they hadn't bowed the knees to Baal. Only 7,000. But he was still being faithful in his ministry, and the impact it had is eternal, as we'll see as we keep on going through the, the, the book of Elisha. So Elisha is training up faithful pastors, faithful ministers, to be a faithful, to minister to the faithful remnant. He's training up a faithful remnant. It's the last line of defense. These guys are the last line of defense in the apostasy, so no wonder they are attacked. They're the last line. Last line of defense. And then we see a sneak attack back in 2 Kings 4, verse 20, uh, verse 39, where we see the sneak attack. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. He gathered some of its gourds and filled the fold of his cloak. When he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, Oh man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. They couldn't eat it. it we, this was this is a, a sneak attack. It's death in the pot. I remember on the farm, we had to be very careful with the cows in the pasture because there was something that grew that was called deadly nightshade. Some of you may even have heard of that. Deadly nightshade. And it would it didn't grow in the pasture because we would, you know, chop. My dad would drive through and chop and stuff. But, you know, chop it down with the the. the bush hog, he would chop it down, but it would grow along the edges of the hedgerows where the electric fence was. There was an electric fence along the hedgerows, and it would grow in there, and there was this viney thing. We learned to recognize the leaves and, and, the, and the little flowers that would grow on it, and, and it, would, it would grow, and it was poison, and the cows would eat it. We had to be very careful. They would eat it, and if they ate it, it would kill them. So our job, I remember as a kid, our job was to walk that fence and to chop it out or pull it out, whatever we saw, a deadly nightshade, to get rid of it because it would kill. But every once in a while, we would miss some, or else it would grow up in between the checks, and we'd go out, and there'd be a dead cow right along the fence, right where it had eaten the deadly nightshade. We'd go up, and there it was, deadly nightshade, and the cow would be all bloated, you know, you know, exploding kittens while exploding cows. It was ready to explode, it looked like, because it had eaten this poison and bloated, and, and, and it, was, it was sad. But that's exactly what almost happened to these young prophets. This poison vine and gourds could have killed them, could have killed them. But what it represents is even more deadly what it represents is even more deadly. It represents false teaching. The Old Testament is a physical picture of a New Testament spiritual reality. And the physical picture is this poisonous gourd, but the New Testament reality, the spiritual reality, is false 
teaching, false teaching. You see, if Satan could poison these guys, if he can poison the ministers of God, the pastors, the priests, the ministers, if he can poison them, if he can take them out, he has crippled the body of Christ. He's crippled it. Or even more damaging, if he can infect them with his poison and use them to spread to spread the, his insidious lies, he can do even more damage. That's how Satan works. That's how he works. He goes after the seminaries first. The seminaries is where you hear of uh, how God's word is being undermined in, in a certain seminary that used to preach the word of God faithfully and how this seminary no longer really believes the Bible is the word of God anymore. And they're affirming the sin. They're saying certain sins are okay that are clearly not okay. And then, and that's what happens with these seminaries. A denomination will start out very strong for a while. It'll do amazing work. It'll evangelize the whole country. Some of you can even figure out which one I'm even thinking of right now. It will evangelize the whole country. But then the poison begins to spread. It begins to spread. And the next thing you know, that they are, the, the seminary and, the, and the, pa the pastors and the pulpit virus has spread from the pulpit to the pews. And the people are starting to believe and, and hear this false teaching. And then it ultimately kills these denominations. Or they split and save some kind of a remnant. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Lots of denominations splitting. The faithful remnant is splitting away from, from the false teaching denomination, which is, which is what they should do. And so that, that's what happens. This is what Paul was warning about. And, and the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, when he's talking to the Ephesian elders, and he gives the Ephesian elders address, and this is exactly what he's talking about. Listen to what Paul says. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare it to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Wow, be able to say that, right? Verse 27, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now we're verse 28. Now we got the verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. We see this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is warning about. Not to let the, 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 the false teaching in. Not to let the, the poison in. Not to let the virus in. From the time of Acts, for the first 300 years of the church, the church was on fire. The gospel was spreading like fire in spite of persecution fires. No, no. Because of the persecution fires. That's what sparked the revival. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and the seed of the church. And so we, because of that persecution, Satan is attacking, but it just resulted in pouring gasoline on the fire. The gospel spread like fire. So Satan says, this isn't working. And you can study church history and see when he shifted gears. He shifted gears and Satan came up with plan B. Plan B, if you can't beat him, Join them. And that's exactly what you see from that point on. A constant church history is one spiritual attack after another. Satan trying to infiltrate the church. Satan bringing in false teaching and, and joining together false partnerships and poisonous deception and the church battling and fighting this off and, and it just over and over this path, this poisonous deception. Now I'm not going to name names, but we can see the same thing happening in the United States today and the USA today. I want to let the Holy Spirit connect the dots, but we see the USA church being poisoned the same way by false teaching and false teachers. Many of you came out of a religious background that taught a works salvation. A works salvation. They, they, you were taught to jump through spiritual hoops to earn your salvation. And no matter how well, you did that. You still weren't sure if you were going to get to get to get there in the end. You weren't sure if you were still going to be right in God's eyes. You weren't sure. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, says, it is, says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. 
You are not saved by works. We are not saved by jumping through religious hoops. We are not saved by following the rules. We are not saved by being good enough in God's sight. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. Through faith. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Nothing. And some of you broke free from that and now realize you are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Others have been freed from cults. Freed from cults they, that taught a different Jesus and a different way to salvation. I guess I'm going to name names. Uh, the Mormon cult, which they try to sell themselves as an evangelical denomination. The Mormon, the, the angel Morani appeared to Joseph Smith and gave him a whole new Bible to go along with our Bible, a whole nother one, which superseded it, the real Bible, and also a whole nother way of salvation, and, and, but they, and also a new Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Mormon Jesus is a new Jesus. It's a, a Jesus they created, and, and through this angel. But we know where that really came from. Galatians 1.8. But Galatians 1.8 says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to, let him be eternally condemned. The word, the word eternally condemned literally means they can go to hell. They should go to hell and they will go to hell. That's what Paul is saying. That's a demonic deception. That's no angel. That's a demon masquerading as an angel of light. That's exactly what that is. And these cults teach a different Jesus and a different way of salvation. Don't be fooled by what they say. Some of you were once once you came out of these religions, you came out of these cults, some of you came out of the occult. A lot of you, some of you have come out of the occult. We got some amazing stories. Some of you used to watch these false teachers on TV. Not all, not all teachers on TV are false. Only about 98% of them. But, uh, but they, these word of faith teachers that teach health, wealth, that if you are, become a Christian, you are guaranteed to be healthy and wealthy. As long as you send us enough of your money, send them the money, and that's how you get these blessings. They're scam artists. Scam artists. This word of faith thing is a scam artist creation. They preach a false gospel, which always ends with send us money. And they're so smooth and so good at it. I, I listened to one the other day and, and at first, if I didn't know where he was really coming from, he was slick. He was slick. He's one of the best. Very, very, got his own jet. Uh, anyway, he, he is so slick, but his gospel message was all tied to you don't suffer. You don't have to suffer as a Christian. You, if you have enough faith, if you're suffering, if you're sick, you just don't have enough faith. Or you have sin in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. We should see a lot more healing than we see. We should be praying in faith for a lot more healing, seeing a lot more healing. But all, but that doesn't mean that God is going to heal everybody. And if you have a sickness and you've prayed in faith and you've searched your heart and you've dealt with sin, if you, he doesn't take it away, <clears throat> then there's a purpose for it. Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering develops perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. God uses suffering to grow us spiritually. This guy's a false teacher. But, and that, but it was all, the gospel was all tied to this lie. The gospel is all tied to, if you become a Christian, you will no longer be sick. You will be healthy and wealthy and you you're going to have everything you want if you become a christian that's a false teaching and and and, and at the end it was very flip well if you just if you believe this just say jesus i believe and i'm a now you're a christian you're a born-again christian you're going to heaven now it was a flip false gospel that inoculates people to the true gospel because they think now they're a christian and they don't have to find the real gospel that i have to repent of my sin and put my faith in what Jesus has done and give my life to him and follow Jesus that they don't they don't teach that it's false and and the worst part is it 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 ends up failing people i know people have come to me and said i used to be a christian but i accepted christ watching this guy on tv and but then my sister got sick with cancer and we prayed for her in faith total faith and she died it didn't work. I realized that the Bible's not true. I go, it's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. It's a false gospel you listen to. This is the true gospel. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. But that, that so, so much of this false teaching out there, and on TV it dominates the airwaves. It, it's sickening. But the worst deception is in the Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. Yes, I'm going to go after us. 
I'm going to go after uh, what our, you know, I'm, I'm picking on everybody today. It's the evangelical churches that should know better. This is where Satan has done his best work. In the USA today, he has done his best work in the evangelical churches that believe the Bible, but they don't teach the Bible. They leave out whatever will offend somebody because they don't want to lose people or offend somebody. They want to grow their church. And, that, and they do it at, at the expense of God's word. They're functional, false teachers. And I'm going to say the majority of the evangelical churches today are functioning in this way. It's, it's very troubling. Michael Youssef had a great article on it. Uh, I just was, I read a great article on Michael Youssef talking about this. Michael Youssef, powerful ministry, uh, love him. He says he warned, he was at a conference and he warns that the entertainment church is making people feel good all the way to hell. This is the evangelical church. Prominent pastor, author Michael Youssef issued a blistering condemnation of the entertainment-driven church, warning that the judgment of God will fall heavily upon the church if it fails to return to his plan for discipleship. He says, The so-called evangelicals have departed from biblical orthodoxy and all sorts of falsehoods have crept into the pulpit. We've basically decided that we're going to choose which parts of the Bible we like and which parts we don't like. And this is really all across the board. It's a very sad day for the church. He identified high-profile pastors who failed to address the reality of sin from the pulpit and instead focus on the gospel of positivity as particularly dangerous wolves in sheep's clothing. They do it so sweetly, he said. They smile as they do it, and it's scary. You see this all the time. They're so focused on being positive that they refuse to talk about sin. They say, God doesn't really care about those things, how you to live, because we know it's hard to hear from the pulpit there's such a thing as sin and, and, and God's Jesus' death on the cross for that sin and the need to confess and to repent. He said it's much easier to hear God loves you the way you are. And you don't have to change a thing. You don't have to leave your lifestyle, regardless of how sinful it is. This is what is being preached. This is what's being happening. You hear people all the time, these Christian celebrities. I'm a Christian, but I'm X, Y, and Z. I'm doing this, doing that. You know, it's craziness, right? He says, so the younger generation is saying, hey, man, I like this stuff. It caters to my fleshly desires. Don't be misled. Don't be taken in by this sweet, smooth-talking these sweet, smooth-talking pastors who say, we can't be absolutely sure about biblical truth. Truth is basically relative. That's a demonic lie. I'm saying that. Yusuf, who served as an Episcopal priest in the 1980s, recalled how the mainline Episcopal denomination lost the war to the secularist, to the apostates, to those who did not want to accept the claims of Christ. He now warns the same thing is happening to the evangelical church. He said the seeker-friendly movement has done a lot of damage. It's become so prevalent in many churches. It has left little room for Bible, real Bible-believing preaching and teaching and believers. In order to make the unbelievers feel comfortable, we begin to introduce a certain type of music. And then we begin to introduce entertaining messages to help people feel good when they leave. We don't want them to feel like they're going to have to weep over their sin or turn to the Lord in repentance. No, we want to just make them feel good about themselves. It's really been a very, very subtle thing. We want people to feel good. Well, we're making people feel good all the way to hell, he said, sadly. It's not biblical Christianity. The church needs to return to the focus on discipleship. We're not making disciples of Jesus Christ, those who will study the word of God and grow, not just in head knowledge, but become more like Christ every day. Amen, Michael. Amen. We're with you on this one. Uh, it, it's <clears throat> what is the cure for this food poisoning? This is food poisoning. This is what it's a picture of the gourds, the poison gourds. What's the cure? Let's go back to the passage. Second Kings four verse forty one. Elisha said, "Get some flour." He put it into the pot and said, "Serve it to the people to eat." And there was nothing harmful in the pot. The flour was the key. Putting the flour in. And the flour is a picture. 
And we're going to get to a little bit more. It's a picture of two things. One, it's a picture of the Word of God. The, the, it's a picture of the Word of God. Remember, the man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's vital that we test every teaching we hear against the Bible. The Bible has to be what we depend on. That's what removes the poison. That's what neutralizes Satan's lies. It's the Bible. Vital to test everything against the Bible. We have to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. The Bereans in Acts chapter 17, 11. Listen to what it says about them. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They took Paul's teaching, the Apostle Paul, and they examined the scriptures to make sure he was speaking truth. And that's what we should all do. doesn't matter if I'm preaching, Michael Youssef preaches, doesn't matter who you're listening to, to, to share the word, it ha whatever they teach, I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's Billy Graham. I don't care if it's the Pope. I don't care if it's if it, whoever it is. It, you have to take the, the word of God and test everything they say. Everything. And we can only accept what comes from the Word of God. Vital. We, we need to be like the Bereans. That's how we avoid spiritual food poisoning. We must know the Word. When we hear a dangerous teaching, we should be like, whoa, back off from that. Or, or ha ha have a shot. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Hack at it. We have to be, whoa, spit it out. You're going to see the video, if you haven't already seen it, the, the extended version of me looking for fossils, the adventure. And I have a, a machete in my hand. And the Bible says uh, the, the, word, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have to, and you see me hacking at thorns and chopping at thorns and whatever else I could reach. The, <clears throat> that's what we need to do with the Word of God. When we hear something that is iffy, it does not, it goes against the Word. We don't care who says it. Chop it out. Don't listen to it. And then you'll see in there also the kids are eating Funyuns, the, the wild onions that, that we eat. They're really wild garlic, but we call them onions. But I call them Funyuns because they're so much fun. Uh, they eat them. They, certain kids like them, some don't. You'll see the one D is, says it burns her mouth, and then you'll see Laurel spitting one out. <laughs> she liked them last year. She turned three. I lost her already. But anyway, they're really good. Uh, Funyuns, but but she spit it out. That's what we should be like when we taste something that's not in the Bible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Spit it out. We don't want anything to do with it. Now, the flower is a picture of the Word of God, which is vital to, to neutralize the poison lies, but also the flower is also a picture of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Leviticus, we see the sacrifices, the offerings. <clears throat> in Leviticus 2, we have the, the offerings, the different offerings. Leviticus 1, it's the burnt offering. Leviticus 2, <clears throat> it's the grain offering. And these are all pictures of what has been done to Jesus or who Jesus is. All the different offerings are, are physical pictures of spiritual truths of Jesus. They're a type of Jesus. And listen to what it says about the grain offering. The grain offering, which is a picture of Jesus. The verse one, chapter two, verse one of Leviticus. When someone brings a grain offering to the Lord, his offering is to be a fine flour. Connect the dots. It's no accident that Elisha grabbed the flour. All right, fine flour. He is to pour oil on it. Oil is a picture of the. Holy Spirit, there we go. Put incense on it and take it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest shall take a handful of fine flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar. The altar is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of the cross, okay? An offering made by fire and aroma pleasing to the Lord. So this is a this is a picture. The flower is Jesus. The fine flower is Jesus. The altar is the cross. Just as the wheat was ground in the flower, Jesus was suffered and died for us. And then it was burned on the altar. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. It's all a picture. Jesus, the bread from heaven, was crucified on that cross for our sins. The gospel, this is the, this is a picture that just as the word of, just as the word neutralized the poison, Jesus must be central, central to any teaching. The gospel must be central to any teaching to avoid any kind of deception, any kind of lies coming in. The gospel of Jesus Christ must be central to every church and denomination, every spiritual movement. The moment the gospel is compromised, that means death. Spiritual deaths of the people who are in, under that ministry, 
eternal spiritual death for them and and it means death to that denomination or that movement they're done it's just a matter of time they're done the same goes for the USA today the the country if we we used to be a country that mostly followed Jesus Christ and even those who weren't Christians still abided by the biblical by the biblical commands it was based on the judeo christian religion here but but the united states today is in a mess the reason we are in such a toxic mess you i don't have to describe it for you we're living the nightmare right the reason is is because we've rejected god's word and we re rejected jesus christ it's completely connected. You can even see studies on when we removed Jesus and the Bible and prayer from the schools and see the graph of what happened in those schools. All the horrible, oh, all the terrible things that have happened morally in our, in, in the, the, the youth of our nation. It's all connected completely. But we, we, we've, re, we've removed Jesus from the society and we have a toxic we're living a toxic nightmare now because of it. It's because of uh, because of removing Jesus. George Barna, the great, uh, does all these amazing polls. Uh, been doing them for many many years. George Barna did a, a survey recently. He found out that more Americans. Well, I'm going to read. I'm going to read a few things. The study reveals shocking information about what exactly Americans believe. It found out that roughly half, 51 percent of American adults have a traditional. Biblical view of God as the all-powerful, all-knowing creator. That These are people that see the Bible's God. They see God as the Bible's God. Only 51% of Americans see God biblically. Only 51%. That's a dramatic decrease from 73% in 1991. That's right. In 40 years, we've gone from 73% to 50%. Do the math, right? Uh, of those who believe in Jesus, of those who actually do believe in Jesus, more say that he sinned than, than they did it, that he didn't. 44% of those who say they believe in Jesus think he sinned. Only 41% of those who believe in Jesus think he didn't sin. So there's some, obviously some undecideds out there, but, but it's crazy, crazy. And more, now this is the worst part, more people believe in Satan. 56% of Americans believe in Satan than believe in God. 51%. George Barna. It's crazy. You want to know why we have this toxic mess? It's because we've rejected God's word and we've rejected Jesus Christ. And the same thing can be true of us as individuals. If we, we are, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've never said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of that sin. I walk away from it. I repent. I ask you to forgive. Give me, because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, his death on the cross for me, his shed blood for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. If you've never done that, you are a sitting duck to this deception that I'm talking about. You're a sitting duck. You have no protection. You're a spiritual zombie. You're the walking dead because you have no protection. You're dead. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into you, comes into us. And now we have defense. We have the Jesus Christ power in our life through his Holy Spirit. We can now see the truth. We see things that we used to believe that were, you know, and, and was, how did I ever believe that? How did I ever think that? How did I ever fall for this? We can now read the Bible and it comes alive. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We can actually fight spiritual battles and fight off the lies and, and, and fight against sin and the world and Satan, our three great foes. By, by Now we can do that. And, and this, this all goes for Christians too. Very important. That's what communion is all about. It's one thing to receive the Holy Spirit, put your faith in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, but we've got to stay close to Jesus. We've got to have that flower in the pot. We, we have to have the Word as central to our life. We have to be in the Word and close to Jesus for protection. That's what communion is all about. Communion means to commune. And it's not just on a, a Sunday when we have a communion service. No, no, no. That's just a reminder that we need to be in communion with Jesus all the time. We have to be close to Him all the time. We have to be feeding on the Word and, and close to Jesus. Are we doing that? 
Are we taking advantage of this coronavirus shutdown to immerse ourselves in the Word of God? Or are we on Netflix? <laughs> or are we immersed in the Word of God? Are we growing closer to Jesus Christ daily? Are we taking that time to connect to Him? Are we being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, letting Him fill us through the worship and the Word and the prayer and the thanksgiving? Ephesians 5, 18-20. We need our daily bread. We need to feed on the Word of God. We need to be in communion with Jesus. Are we doing that? Are you a Christian yet? Are you a Christian yet? Maybe you are realizing as I'm talking about this that you are the walking dead. That you are a spiritual zombie. That you are trapped in a prisoner of Satan and the world and sin. That, that you are believing the world's lies. You, it's okay. We all were there. But I hope that, that this coronavirus has brought you to your knees and will bring you to the cross of Jesus Christ that, and, and help us realize that we have a disease far more serious than the coronavirus. Far more serious. It's called sin. The virus of sin kills us physically and spiritually. It cuts us off. It ruins our life here. All the things in our life that are, that are negative, that are, that are that are making a mess and they have shame attached to them are all connected to our sin. It's only if we put our faith in Jesus that he can take that shame and forgive us and purify us and give us a new life with his power. But we all, we all have, start out with a, 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 the sin virus, which is way worse than the coronavirus, and there's only one cure. There's no vaccination. There's no drug we can take. There's no, there's nothing. There's only a blood transfusion, but it's no man's blood. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God's blood transfusion. He died on the cross in our place. He shed his blood. He poured out his blood. And it's only by coming to the cross and letting his blood touch us and, and, and wash us clean. It's only by putting our faith in Jesus that we can have that cure. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he gave his Son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place, and we need to believe in him. The word believe there does not mean to just believe it in your head. It means to believe it in your head, but it goes to the heart. It's, it means to, the Greek word means to completely put your trust in, to completely depend on, to cling to. That's what it's a picture of. And we need to do that with Jesus. We put our total faith in him. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word? How, is, how are we being convicted? Maybe you're here listening. Maybe you're listening to this wherever you are, watching this wherever you are, and you realize that you are the walking dead, that you're still a spiritual zombie, that you're still trying to be good enough for God, or you're still following the, uh, the, a false Jesus, or you've been influenced by false teaching on that TV set. Maybe you realize that, but you today for the first time understand the true gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have that life right now. A life that starts this second and goes out through all of eternity. We don't get eternal life when we die. We get it the moment we put our faith in Jesus. We get a brand new life. Do you want that life right now? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have that by putting your faith in Jesus, by believing in him. The simple prayer of faith. There's no way you can earn this. There's no way you can jump through a hoop for it. It's simply we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. I don't want to sin anymore. I walk away from that. I repent of that. I don't want my old life anymore. I walk away from that. I don't want the shame anymore. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. Your death on that cross, your resurrection from the dead, I put my faith 
in you, Jesus. I give my life to you. If you have prayed that prayer, something amazing has happened. You will, you're in for the shock of your life. You have just been cured of something far worse than coronavirus. You have just been taken off a ventilator spiritually. You have just been raised to your feet when you were on, on, on the edge of death. You have just been raised to your feet spiritually by putting your faith in Jesus. You are a, the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are a new person. The Holy Spirit's power is living inside of you. Your life will never be the same. You will never fall for the same deceptions and lies. You can now see the scales have fallen off your eyes just like Saul, Paul. You can now see. You're no longer blinded by the the God of this age. You can now see and the word of God will come alive to you. You will understand his word and grow by eating his word in a whole new way. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a Christian friend or a family member you can tell. Let them know. If you don't have anybody to tell, or even if you do, send me an email. NHCC, New Hope Community Church, nhcc at comcast.net. Send me an email. I'll help you. I'll be excited for you. I'll help you get connected to a, a good Bible study or a good church. I'll encourage you on what to read in the Bible. I'll give you some encouragement. I'll be excited. But let somebody know so that you can grow. So we can be excited for you. Whoever can be excited for you. But you can gr- help you grow as a new baby in Jesus Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What is our prayer this morning? Do we need a deeper communion? Yeah, of course we do. God, I want to be in deeper communion. I want to really be in your word. Commit to being in his word. I want to take the time to be with Jesus. In this this shutdown time, taking extra time to be with Jesus. Maybe you have to get up extra early. Maybe you have to get up, stay up late. Maybe you got to get out there and walk in the woods where there's nobody else. You know, you got to get out, get away. But whatever it takes to, to have this time with Jesus. Father, I pray that each person listening would put their faith in you, would know for sure they have Jesus, that they're following Jesus, that are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I pray for each of us too that we would be in your word and be in close communion. We would be poison proof. We would be ready to fight with the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We would be poison proof. We would not fall for the deceptions and the lies that the world is falling to. I pray that we would, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. I pray that in Jesus' name.